Today we're, so last week we talked about never forgetting, and in particular, never forgetting who God is and who God has been uh, in our lives. And today we're going to use uh, Deuteronomy again uh, for a slightly different tweak on that lesson of never forget. Today it's about never forget uh, your story and where you've come from. Um, so both of those themes are really central to, to different parts of the Bible, different stories in the Bible. But in particular, this story is, is this theme of never forgetting is crucial to the book of Deuteronomy. As I told you last week, Deuteronomy is, <clears throat> Deuteronomy is the story of Moses' farewell to Israel. He, uh, he acted out of disobedience, out of anger, when God had asked him to call water to come out from the rock, and instead, out of anger, he hit the rock. Uh, and, and so God forbid Moses to enter the promised land with them. And so the book of Deuteronomy, that happens in Numbers chapter 20. Uh, Numbers is the book before. I've, I've just recently come to learn Numbers is a book before Deuteronomy. Um, <clears throat> as you all remember the running joke, I don't know the order of the books. Uh, anyway, Numbers comes before Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is now Moses' opportunity. They're, they're about to go into the mystery and peril across the Jordan. And Moses has this opportunity to prepare them to do that. And essentially his message is, is this. Remember who God is and remember where he's brought you from. Never forget. Never forget. Tell it to your children and to your children's children. Make sure that not only do you never forget, but that this country, these people never forget who this God is. And, as, and that's, that's enough to carry them across the Jordan. Um, as, we, as I talked last week, I, I said, you know, Moses didn't like tell them how to find water in uh, Canaan. They, uh, he didn't tell them how to, um, how to make sure to hunt the particular kind of things that are around there to hunt. The essential message, the essential thing that he gave them for that journey into the mystery and peril of the promised land was remember, never, ever forget. And so, again, we, we talked about that uh, last week. But this week, we're going to talk about a different theme about never forgetting. And again, it's, it's never forget who you are. And I have three points, so mark your historical calendars. Uh, I, I have actually got a three-point sermon today. <clears throat> the, uh, the fir my first point is this. Never forget where God brought you from. I meant to have another picture of these bricks. Never forget where God brought you from. Uh, this idea... I, I messed up. That's not my first point. That's the, that's the overarching theme. Never forget where God brought you from. Uh, the, the Israelites had come from Egypt. That's the, that's the story, right? That's the premise. They've, they've had this long journey out of slavery in Egypt where they made these bricks. On the cover of your worship folder, you have a picture of shackles. Uh, but up here, I have this other symbol of their slavery, these endless amounts of bricks that their, their identity is tied up in their ability to make bricks. They could be executed for not making enough bricks. They could be put into pits for not making enough bricks. Who knows what kind of atrocities might have happened to them for not making enough bricks. And so remember, no, uh, Moses is saying, remember where you've come from. Remember where you've come from. So now, point number one, why, would, why do you need to remember where God has brought you from? 
The first one is so that we don't make the same mistakes twice. A lot of Moses's uh, a lot of Moses's point here, a lot of the story he's telling is not about the people he's talking to. It's about the people who've come just before. He's warning them against don't be like them because this is what it looks like if you forget. Right? If you forget, you will you will build a golden calf. Right? I mean, imagine the 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 lunacy of having God split the Red Sea. It's, imagine seeing that and walking across on that dry uh, bottom and seeing those walls of water and seeing it then crash down on your oppressor that's chasing after you in chariots. Imagine witnessing that with your own eyes and then shortly later deciding, well, this God's not good enough. I think I'll just build a golden calf and we'll worship that. that I mean, that seems ludicrous, right? But never forget it. Never forget it. Why should we never forget it? So that we don't repeat it. So that we don't repeat it. One of the stories that my dad um, would always tell me about his life was that he had, uh, he had this dream to be a professional golfer, and he was a fantastic golfer. And he went to Purdue University, and his, uh, his mother forbid him from taking his golf clubs to Purdue. He'd been offered a spot on the team there, but his mother wouldn't let him take his golf clubs. And this was her reason. Uh, my grandmother was a very pragmatic person, but she did not want him to take his golf clubs because she figured he would not go to class if he had his golf clubs and he would flunk out of Purdue. And so what my dad did instead was he borrowed golf clubs and never went to class. <laughs> And had to uh, and had to not be uh, and had to leave Purdue. He didn't flunk out, but um, the the moral of that story for me was well, I always we always say in our family like if she'd let him be on the team, right? Then he would have had an incentive to go to class because you can't be on the team unless you make a decent grade. Um, so the moral of that for me was when I when I got to kind of the point where I was going to choose college and I was thinking about college and. And my mom had expectations on me and my dad had expectations on me. I remember that story. It was a, a foundational story. It was like, uh, you know, Israel, when they, when they crossed the Jordan, Joshua builds this, this monument, right? To, but basically, it's a, it's a stack of rocks. Never forget what God has done for us because to, to, he sp spread the Jordan open as well for them to walk across. And so they build this, this monument. And some stories become monumental to us. Some stories become things that shape who we are. Things, the things of the past begin to shape our future. And for me, the mistakes of my father were really important to me. The mistakes of my father were really important to me. Not in a way that, um, not in a way to push him down, but in a way for him. He often would tell me stories, hoping that I would do better. Right? And I tell Elliot every single night, I'm telling him some kind of story about some stupid thing that I did. And we're not quite to the point where he wants to do differently. <laughs> so they're dangerous to tell these days. But, uh, but I hope, I hope that he will have this chance. I want him to learn from my mistakes. I want both of my sons to learn from my mistakes. I want them to know these stories. I want in their minds and in their hearts, I want to build little monuments for them. So that they cannot do as I have done. And then hopefully they can all also emulate the things that I've done well. 
And so there's this really important theme, like don't, don't forget, we don't want, if you forget, you are bound. I mean, it's the, the classic history lesson, right? Those who don't know history are bound to repeat it. And that is a biblical theme. That is a biblical theme. We have to, we have to grapple with our past. It's one of the reasons I'm really passionate about church history. There are enormous numbers of mistakes. And a lot of people, um, some people will ask me, like, how do you, how do you get through it? 2,000 years of sin. <laughs> That's so important to me to look it in the eyes. I, 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 just, I just think it's crucial to not forget so that we can move forward in a positive direction. The, uh, the next point is, and I think this is really, this is something you've heard from me over and over and over again, and, and something you'll continue to hear from me over and over and over again, is part of the reason that we should not forget, part of the reason that we should not forget is so that we, pe- we treat people the way that God or Jesus treated us. Our own story is crucial to remember so that we do not hold people to a different standard than Christ has held us. There was a, a woman one time who uh, I knew that was, that was really hard on the ministries that I did. And, and she did not like me helping people without um, basically making them convert. And uh, she, did not like me, uh, she did not like me being friendly to people who had addictions or who were living in sin, as she would put it. She didn't like me being kind to them. So one day she's uh, sitting, we're sitting down and we're talking and she's telling me her life story. And she says to me, uh, I was like, I'd, I'd be really interested in knowing like how you came, came to Jesus. And she said, oh, it's quite a story. And she said uh, that she, she had three children and one, uh, one child from a previous marriage and uh, two children from her boyfriend that she was living with. And her boyfriend was beating her. She didn't have a job. Her boyfriend was an alcoholic. They were living off of uh, government assistance at the time. And her boyfriend uh, took his violence and turned it to her children. And so she left. She up and got in the car, didn't take anything, didn't pack. She just got in the car and left. And she uh, was in Portland, and she had to find some place. She was just living in her car, from bouncing around from place to place. And uh, it was cold, and so she took her kids into a Salvation Army-like thrift store. And the guy that was working in the cash cash register at the Salvation Army thrift store noticed that they were just kind of wandering around, and uh, and because they were there to stay warm, they weren't there to to shop. They didn't have any money anyway, and so uh, that guy struck up a conversation with her, got her a hotel room, super kind to her, prayed for her. And uh, and that's how she came to know Jesus. And I thought to myself, this is the strangest thing I've ever heard. I was like, this woman is mad at me for doing exactly what was done to her to lead her into the kingdom of heaven. How did that happen? <laughs> I was I was for a minister. I was extraordinarily young, and I just did. I didn't know how to point that out to her, um, that, wait, this, this worked for you. Why, why would you not want people to be kind with no strings attached to others? But it's part of the human condition. 
we forget. We forget. In fact, I want to tell you a story that is almost exactly what I just described to you about that woman from one of Jesus' parables. And I think I, when we were going through the book of Matthew, I may have preached about this, but I'm not sure. So we're going to do it again. <laughs> uh, this is from Matthew chapter 18. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And uh, we, we remember we had kind of an, uh, a discussion about how much talents are worth. It's like 600 times a denarii, okay? It's, it's a little, an enormous amount. It's like two years, six, it might even be 6,000 times. It's huge compared to the denarii. So when he began uh, the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. That's an enormous amount of money. And he could not pay. His Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But the same, that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. Just a fraction, tiny, tiny fraction of what this man owed. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I am the church. There are many, many merciful people. You are some of the most merciful people I know. But we live in an age where the church, by and large, doesn't believe in mercy anymore. We pay or our lips. We pay much service to it with our lips, but our hearts are far from it. And I am convinced that a gigantic part of that is that we have forgotten where we were brought from. I owe mercy to people because mercy was given to me when I deserved much, much worse. And so the people of Israel are told in this passage that, that Tim read from Deuteronomy, don't forget, you were slaves in Egypt. Did you like to be treated as less than equal? Did you like to be maligned? Did you like to be hurt? Did you like to make bricks? Did you like to be oppressed? Of course you didn't. Don't forget that I was merciful to you then in that time. Don't forget that I brought you out of that. Don't forget that I'm also the God who cares for foreigners and gives them clothing to put on their back and food for their children. Don't forget that that's who I am and that's who I was to you. So when foreigners come to you, you better be like them. Or in the words of Christ, there will be eternal consequences. 
for forgetting his mercy to us and where we came from. And on the plus side, mercy is awesome. Mercy creates joy. I don't, I don't want to live with the burden of bitterness and anger towards people, certainly not towards groups of people. I tell you that the church doesn't believe in mercy, but I don't tell you out of anger. I tell you mostly out of sorrow. Because there'd be so much goodness that we can share by remembering who we were, where we've come from. And so never forget. My final point is the reason to remember where God has brought us from and remember our own story is so we remember God's grace for our future mistakes. So that we remember God's grace for our future mistakes. Maybe the guy in the story, if he, if he had acted mercifully towards the other slave, maybe he would have gotten into debt again. I don't know. Maybe it would have been a huge debt again. And maybe the master would have forgiven the debt again. Christ, by remembering who Christ has been in my past, I can again remember how good he will be to me in my future. This is essentially the same message as last week, but I, I, I think it's super important. The people of Israel are reminded over and over and over again, the Psalms, all throughout the Psalms, they're reminded over and over and over again, don't forget what God has done for you. And one of the reasons for that is to, God will do it again. God will come again. So that when we get down on ourselves, when we, we think that maybe... We have passed beyond the extent of God's mercy. We've passed beyond the effectiveness of the cross and resurrection. When we think that we have finally broken the bank of mercy, we forget who God is. We forget his grace to us. Don't forget. Don't forget. His love is unending. He will over and over again when we humble ourselves. He will over and over again toss our sin as far as the east is from the west. And we are asked, Christ says, Christ says to us to remember that his sacrifice is there for us again and again. Right? When, when he says, when he institutes the Lord's Supper, this is from Luke 22. When he institutes the first Lord's Supper, he says this as he breaks the bread and he passes the bread around. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember over and over and over and over again for 2,000 years until we're done with this place. Remember the body was broken for you and the blood was shed for you. Remember the joy of his mercy. Remember that he will be there for you. By remembering, so before you come and take communion today, what I want you to do is I want you to think about the first time you encountered Jesus. And I want you to think about what that felt like. I want you to think about how it felt to have sins forgiven. I want you to think about how it felt for God to enter into your world and to say, I love you and I care about you and I want you to follow me. Think about that. 
Hold the goodness of that grace and that mercy in your mind and in your heart. And when you've got it there, when it feels real again, then come forward and remember that this body is broken for you and this blood is shed for you again and again and again. Every day, every day of your future, that same goodness of that grace is there on offer over and over again. Who he has been, he shall be. So never forget where he has brought you from. Let's pray. Jesus, prepare our hearts. May your Holy Spirit come. May you give us swift, confident, powerful reminders of what it was like to first encounter you, of the blissful grace that spread over us, of the freedom of being released from the consequences, from the debts of our sins from the warmth and the fullness of your embrace, of your arms around us. Help us to remember today who you have been and who you will be. Help us to never forget. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.